podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Going on, Boneheads. Football season is back. That means my bookie's best offer, 100% match, up to $1,000 using promo code CHAIR. That is a change. It is CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R. Also, they are running the first ever online super book contest. You enter for 100 bucks and you can win up to $100,000. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread each week. Climb the leaderboard and if your score hits high enough, you're going to get a share of this massive cash prize. Remember, they've been riding with us for over a year now. I wouldn't recommend this to you guys if they weren't the best in the biz when it comes to paying and customer service. You shoot them a DM, they're going to answer. You shoot them an email, they're going to answer. You win, they pay. MyBookie.ag, promo code CHAIR for your 100% deposit match. Now, let's get into the show. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Bosco's boys are back. We're coming to you live from Tallgrass Tap House. Go check them out. They still do some beers, even though the brewery operations went under because, well, they kind of started to suck. But beer of the pot, I have a German Fest beer. Grant, you have the old school, what was it? Raspberry Jam. Raspberry Jam. And we're sitting in front of two real Big J journalists who are not drinking before noon on a day. They have to go to football media days. This is John... A.K.A. Squints, Kurtz, and Kellis, K-Dog, Robinette. Boys, welcome to the show. Hello. It's good to be here. I do wish I was drinking a beer, though. Yeah. This look good. I'm sorry. This is part of our uh, Blitz Week package. So we're recording this a couple weeks before it'll go live. We're going to be doing a show a day, previewing K-State football with the folks that know it best. But before we get into it, uh, John, I have a presentation for you. You are the quickest guy from episode or from first appearance to recurring guest status. So here are your oh. two recurring guest koozies. Oh, beautiful, man. I already got the, uh, the other two that I have. I stashed one in my little cooler that I take with me to the pool and stuff. And then I put another one in the drawer that I'm on. I've been using the hell out of them. That's what I'm telling you. Well, there you go. You got your recurring guest. And then the exact opposite, Kellis. It is taken, out of everyone who has received these <laughs> koozies, it's taking you the longest. You have over a year between appearance one oh, and wow. two, but here you go. You finally earned them. They're your recurring guest koozies. Slow and steady wins the race, but now I get to enjoy. <laughs> so they say. Enjoy beer without warming it with my hand. Thank you. Well, perfect. <laughs> you, you guys feel free to use them. Um, Spoiler alert, everyone who's listened to this will already know this, but uh, Gene Taylor was very excited when he got his recurring guest koozies, but uh, I'll be honest with you guys, his came preloaded with some uh, Bud Light tall boys. Oh, oh wow. So, okay. well, it, and we don't get any drink at all, man. Well, I mean... Hey, I, say I, the I, word. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make it happen. Yeah, well, but you guys are too busy being professional and not uh, partaking in alcohol before you have to do real jobs. Well, but was Gene? Did Gene like stone cold the? Kenny wouldn't let him. He <laughs> wanted to, but Kenny was like, "You got some stuff you have to do later today." So uh, he was going to a pr- promotional video, I think, right afterwards, and uh, so yeah, Kenny wasn't gonna let him do that. So here's the Blitzweek show. I think this will be number two. You guys are following uh, the analytical man himself, Casey underscore fan. Uh, but you know what? Bring your own spice to it. I don't need to hear a bunch of fancy numbers and stuff from you guys. We'll just leave that on his show. Who needs numbers when you got the eye test? I've got two eyes, all right? That's perfect. Um, we're going to jump right in. Uh, over the course of fall camp uh, this season, we're going. you guys are going to have far more opportunities and visibility of the program, and I'm assuming it's going to continue on in the season. So my question to you two Big J journalists is, how is that going to change how you guys cover the football team in 2019 versus previous years? 
I'm going to need Kellis to answer this one first because Kellis is is the bigger J. He is the real journalist here. Sometimes he hangs around with the rest of us, you know, and like we're, you know, we just, we, I test. I say things like I test. I'm not worried about real journalistic integrity. So I'm going to need to bounce off of K Dog here. I need you to set the standard for me. What do I have to do to make sure that I'm journalistically doing things okay with all the new access? Um, I mean, show up, take advantage of it. Um, that, I mean, that's the main thing right there. Show, showing up, that's the biggest thing. But I, I would think that, uh, I mean, it changes a little bit. There will be more more coverage. There will be a whole lot less stale coverage. I think that was the worst thing of all the last few years is you would get media day uh, about right now, and then you wouldn't get another single thing until opening week. So everybody would have the exact same quotes um, and basically you'd have your five stories and you just try to space them out as best you could until uh, game day rolled around and now it'll be different. We can actually see what's happening. We can uh, get updates and stuff. So I don't know that there will be, you know, just a complete tidal wave of more stories, but I think they'll be a lot better and there will be a lot more fun and a lot more attention uh, showed to things. I. I know I listen to John's show more often when he's got fresh material, when he's not still talking about stuff from three weeks I mean, ago. We've always got fresh material, <laughs> thank you. But, uh, you know, you try filling 10 hours a day, in the, or 10 hours a week in the summer, man. And I, I, the, the interesting part to me, I think, will be uh, what happens once it gets in season. Because right now, I mean, we're getting – I had it all counted up, nine or ten opportunities or something like that yeah. during fall camp. Just two open season. practices, too. Very – very little actual viewing. Well, right. Oh, okay. Beggars can't be choosers. Well, I'm not going to complain <laughs> That's about it. But infinitely like, more than you guys had last year, right? Yeah. And, you know, once we get into the season, like, I know we will have some access to coordinators and assistant coaches and stuff like that. But I, I do wonder how much it really will change what the day-to-day -day stuff is like once we get in season. Um, because I think it, it will some, and there will be some times, like, when there have been the Alex Barnes controversies, like, okay, why is he not – carrying the ball obviously now you'll have someone else to go to and try and get an answer on that so it might provide some better context to a lot of stories but it may be overstated right now when we're still living on the the high of how cool all this is at this point and not realizing that hey once we get in season it's going to sort of be same standard operating procedure I, I think one thing that will happen is just and this is a natural thing um, it, it just for the human condition, I think. But when you are more open and you don't treat everybody like the enemy, there's going to be more leniency probably from all of us in the media if and when things do go wrong, which they probably will this year, if we're being honest, based on the roster that they have coming back. So you, you might have, I don't want to say slanted, but you would just have coverage is probably going to give more benefit of the doubt because up front, the relationship has been handled differently by Chris Klein. Sorry, my phone keeps going off. I, I, I thought it was interesting man. even in the uh, press conference the other day, um, you know, we were asking basically Chris Kleiman to give us a depth chart more or less, you know, who's looking good at this position, what do you like about these guys? And he was actually, you know, the opposite of what we had in the past. He was actually going down the line saying, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. You didn't ask about him, but I'll tell you about him too. I was telling people after where we probably got more actual news updates in that one 20-minute segment there than we got all of last season from Bill. So uh, how do you even fit that all into stuff, you know? I mean, I'm, there, yeah. I'm sure there's stuff you omitted on your show after that. Like, is everybody going to get on and talk about Cooper Beebe that he was impressing, you know? <laughs> um, I was waiting but, for the full piece about Cooper, and it never came out from the Kansas City Star Wichita. Email. Well, be patient. Be patient. It'll... <laughs> We'll see if we can fit it in. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a thing. Like, in the past, if that would have come out, that would have been like, oh, wow, you know, okay, we should probably write about that. But they're giving us so, so much now that, you know, that's like a footnote at best. It's it's interesting to well, see that, the difference. That's another part of it, right? Like, if there is some controversial thing, why did this play – why was this the call on fourth down? Why did you go for it on this? Like, when he's already set up an environment of, hey, everybody's open, you're going to be able to talk to the offensive coordinator after the game. Obviously, you'll be able to talk to me, and I'm not going to dance around anything. I'll, I'll give you the information. It will become less of a story because of that. It doesn't turn into this big controversial thing that blows up into a, a big event because that's what happens when you do have this aura of secrecy and – you're saying things like, hey, we want to play Daniel Sams more. There's your Daniel Sams reference. Check the time. Unbelievable. Um, Drink. <laughs> hey, we want to play Daniel Sams more. I don't know why it's not happening. And you have this confusion, and then you can't talk to the offensive coordinator. And so it balloons into an actual thing when it doesn't really need to be. 
Uh, and so I think you can preemptively diffuse some of those situations just with the way he's handled this. How you should it? ask Coach Kleiman about Daniel Sam sometime. I'd love to see. Well, what Daniel Sam's story. ran all over his defense's <laughs> ass for a touchdown once upon a time. Would have beat them. All right, here's a quick question. I just need yes or no. Would Coach Kleiman be the coach of K State on this day if they would have started Daniel Sam's versus North Dakota State and let him play that entire game? Uh, yes, probably. Yeah. Butterfly effect now. Well, okay. We North, I mean, if, North Dakota State would have still won that game. No, we would have ended up winning the national championship that year, and Sean would be our coach right now. <laughs> well, um, if, if you remember, I'd it wasn't that. the offense uh, who gave up all the fourth down conversions. Titles. Yeah, but yeah. okay. North how Dakota many, State won okay, that game. But if you would have let Daniel Sams run rampant that game, you're scoring more than what? How many? 14 points? Is that what we had? I think it was 21. Wasn't it like 24, 21? It was in the 20s. Like he would have scored three or four touchdowns by himself. I don't want to hear any more slander. We're going to move on. What does it feel like for you guys, though? No longer like going to class? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the, the media, oh, yeah, the, press the press conferences and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like it's – You're not, you're not kind of afraid to ask questions anymore, you know? I, I don't know. I, maybe afraid is not the right word, but, like, you just kind of knew most – no matter how good a question was, if it was coming from me or John or some other people in the media, you knew it was going to get swatted. It's just you're going yeah. up against Dikembe Mutombo. It didn't matter. <laughs> that, but that's na- now it's kind of the opposite. It's just like, you know, Coach, I don't really have the greatest question here, but I'm writing something about this guy. Give me some info. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, great, okay. Like, like how like different – total opposite. How different is it if you are – to further Kellis' analogy, the di- it's the difference between going into – a gym where you know, okay, I have to make 10 layups and I've got to go do it with the Kimbe Mutombo standing at the basket. All right, I've got to do that. How would you be feeling at that moment versus, hey, I just showed up at the gym and, wow, nobody is here playing basketball. There's a bunch of balls over there. I can just grab a ball and start shooting and run around and have fun. That's really what the difference is like to me. I mean, it's not like – I wouldn't say that we were scared of Dikembe Mutombo necessarily in this analogy, but you're like, God, this is going to be a, a pain in the ass. Like that's – you know, and, and now it's like, all right, cool. This is fun. Let's go do it. Let's get some shots up and, uh, and get on out of there. That's how I would put it. I'll speak for both Scott and I and say that we're very happy that you guys are comfortable around Coach Kleiman because we're, we're both terrified of him. He's – Frightened us quite a bit. <laughs> Why, like too too jacked for you, or what's the? He, the, he doesn't, he doesn't our like. Brand I don't think he likes us very much. <laughs> no, he, I don't think he enjoyed our kind of funny uh, questions we had. He's all him. business, man. He is all. business. He's just like I don't have time for this. And we tried to joke yeah. around with him at media day, and he wasn't having it. So. He gave us just literally no, <laughs> a straight no. Yeah, it was no. Great. What was the question? <laughs> we tried to follow up on the karaoke question we asked him. He was just looking at his phone, didn't even look up. He goes no. It was awesome. Wow. It was awesome. That was at the very end. He was ready to leave. He was hollering at Kenny, hey, is it time to go? So uh, It was great. It made yeah, me honestly like him honestly, more. I, yeah, I like him just dunking on us. So does, so does Bruce him. play along with it more? Bruce loved it. Bruce oh, is the greatest man. <laughs> I mean, he's. I could talk to him forever. He, he's on our brand. He likes to have a good time. Okay. So. All right, we'll get back to the outline because we just did a solid like 12 minutes on that one question and – Really touched on everything. So how long do you guys think it's going to take for us to get away from the branding that K-State was so stuck in with the greatest turnaround and, you know, the little engine that could persona? Why do you think that's so important for the new chapter of K-State football? I think they have separated themselves from it. I don't think you're seeing it anymore. Um, I don't think they'll have – I don't think they'll start every football game with that clip, uh, with the Bill Snyder clip anymore. And, you know, I, I think it's probably time they do move on. He's not the coach anymore. That was from the 80s. And while it is a very interesting part of, you know, Kansas State history, I don't really know why people need to be beaten over the head with it right now, that they used to be bad. They've, I, I, I've always felt, uh, at least recently, that they should have focused more on the good things they did. I, I don't think today's – students going to Kansas State today, you know, they can't really connect all the way back to then, so – I'm I'm looking forward to see what they rebrand with a sledgehammer and everything else. <laughs> I agree with Kellis that they've done a good job of like I, I think they're pretty far removed from it now because the important part is the administration, like all the branding that they're utilizing here, the the official offers that they're sending out to the recruits, like they had it knocked out of the park. Like, hey, we've won a lot here at K State. We're gonna win some more because we brought in guys that just won a lot at North Dakota State. So 
Chris Kleiman knows what he's doing. Gene Taylor and the athletic department, they know what they're doing with that branding. Eventually, everything else will fall in line and you'll get away from that. They're on the right path. It, it just may take a little bit more time before you're fully removed because I think even most of the fans are on board. Like, I, I know it's frustrating and you get the uh, vocal minorities and all of this, and there are certainly fans that – you know, or the Bill Snyder University uh, kind of fans that will still uh, bristle a little bit at that and saying that it's not important. But I do think that, that that is dwindling, and most people realize that in a new era, like, you, you just have to move on and, and do that. Because I don't know if you guys know, but Sports Illustrated wrote this article called Futility <laughs> U one time, and it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I'd never heard that, so that, that's weird that you bring that up. Yeah. I'll have to go Google that. Uh, you didn't bring it to read, John Weefall <laughs> no, style? No, I did not. I did not. Oh, yeah, good old John Weefall. We'll have to get him on the show one of these days. Uh, so when it comes to the actual, you know, getting onto the field, K-State over the next four years, you know, they're playing Mississippi State, Vandy, Missouri, Stanford, and the non-con round robin in the Big 12. How and will Chris Kleiman win enough to truly get to the point where he can get – over the hump when it, when it comes to all these fans that still are detracting? Or are we setting, sitting here, you know, before a game's even played, just, you know, ticking off the years before eventually, you know, the fan angst gets too much and he's gone? I, I go back and forth on how difficult this part of it will actually be. It's an interesting dynamic because you have – maybe in the same way that you did with Bruce Weber and John Curry, an athletic director that's pretty tethered to this football coach and I think is going to obviously give him plenty of time, a lot more time than what a lot of fans would want to give him. And it's it's a different scenario than like sometimes you'll get the coach that's in there that starts to struggle and it's an athletic director that did not hire him and that just creates a whole different dynamic there in terms of how much job security there is and how long he is going to be there. There are obviously going to be fans. We like we have seen this happen with Bruce Weber. We know how fans will dig in and react. And with football, it might even be amplified even more. I do think that that is a possibility. But how much does that? How much does that really drag things down? Right? Because I mean, Bruce Weber, through all of that, actually did have quite a bit of success. Like he was able to have plenty of success um, despite how how fans and myself included were were really pulling against him for a long time and made his job much more difficult. So I would say I'm just unconvinced yet that it would be some sort of major actual roadblock to success on the field. It may, may th make things more stressful for fans and for us in the media, um, but I think sometimes that doesn't affect the actual guys that are out there doing their thing. We were just talking about Chris Kleiman with you guys. I think that was before we started, right? Or was that when we were talking here? Like, he's all business. So – I don't think he's going to let fan frustration really get to him all that much. And and Bruce Weber, as much crap as he gets for being this this goofy guy and kind of a goober, like he's really good at just shutting out all the outside noise and going and doing his job. So I I would have to see something really change my mind to make me think, okay, this is going to really significantly impact the football program if fans do have frustration early on. So when you say like get over the hump, you're talking about being like universally loved. By fans, or what are we? What, or what's to the, the bar point where here? it's not a talking point. Okay. I don't think in today's day and age anyone is ever going to be universally loved when it comes to sports at all. There's four dudes who show up to Chiefs training camp with any for starters. <laughs> I saw that. So I don't think you'll ever get to a point where anyone has a 100% approval rating. But I just want – I guess I'm, I'm just curious, will he ever get to that point where – it's not a talking point anymore about how there is, whether it's a vocal minority or it's a majority or anything, that there's still conversations about fan buy-in. Well, I had somebody on Twitter suggest to me that uh, the first year would be a disappointment if he didn't win at least 10 games. So uh, he's got a big bar to clear, at least in some people's eyes. I think um, as long as he has, is, is showing some success and does something big by year two um, and it proves that he's got them – on the right path, I, I think you'll be all right. In terms of, you know, getting to the point where nobody's really questioning him all that much, you know, it'll probably take eight or nine wins in a season, probably something like that. Um, right now it's just really hard to judge because he's – it looks – it seems like he's doing a nice job in the recruiting class. I like the looks of the freshman he's brought in so far, and 
obviously the 2020 class he has right now looks better than anything that we've seen in about 10 years around Manhattan. So he's on the right path, but until we actually see it on the field with some wins, we'll see. Year one will be interesting because I, I think, you know, while he can't really go two, two and ten or three and nine, people are going to hate that. But I think most people understand that, other than the few that say he's got to win ten games, understand that this season, you know, four, five, six wins, as long as they show some improvement, is okay. And then as long as he gets it rolling after that, I think it'll be all right. Let's touch on uh, Skylar Thompson a bit. Um, I think it's touch obvious. Skylar Thompson? I wish. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Have you seen it? He, he's gotten cut up in this offseason. Uh, Pimp Juice is uh, almost going for the GQ look. Well, he's, the other thing that's good. He's got a great beard. Is, well, he's, he's, he's trying to force himself into these social media pictures, I feel like. There's been a lot of shirtless Skylar Thompson pictures going on. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah, it's like Pimp Juice swagger, man. I mean, he's making a point to, to let you see just how much work he's done in the offseason. He might have the best facial hair on the team, too. His beard is uh, immaculate. Keeps it tight. Yeah. Well, I think it's – yeah, I think it's obvious that he's exponentially more comfortable and more confident compared to last season. You know, he's been – truly been given the keys to the program – but he still has some detractors that have, you know, tried to cast a shadow on his abilities and his leadership qualities, you know, due to him not thriving when there was some competition last season. What are your guys' thoughts when presented, you know, some of those comments, albeit, you know, they're not the mainstream, but how do you, how do you respond to that? Well, I just think this is one of the things I feel the strongest about with this football team this year. Like, I think Skylar Thompson's going to make a big jump. I love him. I think he's perfect for this team. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he was just so horrendously mismanaged by the previous coaching staff that it is unfair to really judge him too harshly for what happened last year. Am I open to the fact that I could be too too far on one side of that and not being critical enough of him? Yeah, that's that's probably that's probably fair and that's probably a possibility. But until proven otherwise, I think he is going to be a stud. Now, what what is a stud statistically in this offense? I don't know. But, like, I think he will be a legitimate, very good leader for the team. I think he's already unquestionably the guy. And I think he will be a good quarterback where in the Big 12 that might mean you're the fourth best quarterback in the league or something like that. But that's still – that's still very good. I mean, when you've got guys like Jalen Hurts and Sam Ellinger that are that are in the conference, uh, I think it's going to be tough to do that. But I'm all in on Skylar Thompson here, and I just think last year, man, I don't can I say the f word? Am yeah. I allowed to say <laughs> say, say all the bad words? I can I can do say it. This. Say you it. Can say it. Whatever you okay. want. I've been like say dancing it. around this for like ten minutes. Like, do I actually say this? I mean, he was just so mind fucked. Like, he was just so you know, like by by the quarterback battle and by. What was going on in the press conferences? I mean, it was just bizarre, the behavior of, like, talking up Alex Delton, but then not Skylar Thompson. And God. there was so much going on that it's like, I just, if you're the quarterback, that's that's a, even a little bit different than if this were happening about a receiver or something like that. When you're the quarterback and you have this weird thing going on with, like, leadership, like, am I supposed to be the guy? Am I the one that's texting everyone for seven on seven? Or is it Alex Delton? There was just way too much of that going on to reasonably expect somebody to be able to have a good season. On top of that, just all the other stuff that's going on, not just with the quarterbacks, but Bill Snyder was clearly losing it, like the staff had issues. All of that is going to seep its way into the quarterback position. Man. It was utterly bizarre. I mean, in defense of Alex Delton, I've always been basically a Skylar Thompson guy from the get-go. I always thought he was better than Delton, but – even in Delton's defense, he took a huge step back because of that two-step system. I mean, he clearly, having that time split between the two of them, I mean, both of them took large steps backwards. And I don't think Delton was as bad as he played last year, but I was always a Skyler guy. Well, and the, I mean, the other thing with Skyler, like I get so annoyed that he was like, well, he just, you know, he danced around in the pocket too much. He didn't make quick decisions, whatever. And I mean, okay, yeah, that's, that is correct on one level, but he's also being in an offense where he's not able to throw receivers open. It just, it wasn't conducive to his skill set at all. Like Skyler Thompson's a guy that can sling the rock, man. You got to let him, <sighs> you got to let him be free. You got to let him go have the freedom to make plays instead of trying to contain him and keep him in this, this weird, uh, completely turnover averse box. And so I, I think now just having that freedom will allow him to play much more to his skill set. Callus, say I, a bad I, word. <laughs> say a bad word, Callus. 
fuck you for taking all that time <laughs> making me wait here like that. Hey. Um, I, I see both arguments of it because the first ten games last season, um, Skyler, you know, even though I agree with most of what you said, I, I think that it was just a very weird situation in that he outperformed Delton, but not by so much that it was he could really put the competition to bed. Um, but those last two games, if you go back and watch, when they the coaching staff af- actually relented and Delton wasn't going to play anymore and Skyler knew it was going to be him and they put their best receivers on the field, um, that's when he has best games. I mean, he looked great until the fourth quarter against Iowa State when things started mounting against him. I mean, that was one of his, his best games. If you go back and look at him as a freshman, same deal when the other quarterbacks were hurt and it was just him against, like, Oklahoma State, he had his best game. So, you know, you can certainly um, criticize a quarterback for not, uh, you know, rising above a QB competition, but at the same time, um, this, for whatever reason, seems to suit him best. So he doesn't have that on him this year. So I'm not – going to go quite as far as you and guarantee that he's going to be a stud this season. Um, I want to see him prove what he's got in this new offense. Um, he doesn't have a, you know, a ton of proven playmakers around him. No all conference preseason players on the offense. So uh, we'll see, but he's put in, the, he's put in the work. I mean, you talk about a guy, a guy being a leader, like this is the guy that everybody wants. He, he, he's embraced the Easton stick thing, the Carson Wentz thing. You know, he doesn't want to be the next Michael Bishop. He wants to be the next Easton Stick. It's kind of cool to hear him say things like that. So he, he's watched a, a lot of film. He's put a lot of effort into this. And, yeah, he looks the part. I'll, I'll believe in the beard. Well, uh, I think he'll have a good season. Well, that's, that's another thing. You mentioned just how good of a leader he is that really drove me crazy about last year and, and those that were fairly anti Skyler. It's like how – the guy's attitude and we could tell it it was again kind of caged he couldn't roam free with it but you could tell like his attitude is just perfect it's what you want in a quarterback it's what you want in a leader and so it's just like you see that in him and you see a coaching staff working like actively working against allowing that to come out and then you have some fans that are crapping on the guy and it's like really this guy is what k-state football should be like this this incredible leader who wants everything on his shoulders he wants that responsibility like why the hell was that not embraced i just i don't get it it would be really interesting to go back and i might actually do this to go back and look at skylar's stats when there was no other available quarterback to push him versus when there was because even like in the cactus bowl when delton was looming he played horrible yeah and that's when delton came in and won the game i mean now obviously that game was tailor-made for delton a defense that could not stop the run, and he ran the ball all over them. Yeah, they kind of laid him out to dry in the play call in the first half of the Cactus Bowl. Oh, no, they did. But I mean, he he, was... probably, he could have run all over him too, if they'd have let him. Um, but that's just interesting that, like, before that, when Delton wasn't – when Delton and Ertz weren't available in those other games, he played much better. Same last season when, as soon as he was out of the picture, he played a lot better. I might have to go back and look that up, see exactly what the stats were. You're welcome for the uh, story idea. <laughs> <laughs> That seems like one of the few moments that he did really struggle. Because if you think about the times that he was placed in the driver's seat, you know, and given that freedom, he basically made game-winning drives or Mm -hmm. something equivalent to that. I mean, he was – when Skyler's given the freedom to do what he does, I mean, he's got the pedigree. We, I think that our offense just phased him out of that, like that style that he's so good at. Last year was just weird, too, because coming into it, everybody was kind of treating Alex Delton like people are treating Skylar Thompson now, you know. Like all offseason, all I heard was, oh, yeah, Delton's the guy, great leader. He fits in great the offense. And the last minute was like, oh, no, Skylar's the guy. Because I remember, like, players talking up Skylar about how, like, he's he's a great leader. Am I wrong? Well, that goes back. I mean, when he was a freshman and he was winning those games against Texas Tech and Iowa State and all that, there was definitely that talk from the team, and you got that sense. But – like, yeah, after the Cactus Bowl and then just everything you would hear from the program was like, okay, hey, it's, it's Delton, it's Delton, it's Delton's the guy. Like that, I think, I think it's easy in hindsight to look back on it and see how that was the case. Like if you're talking to someone within the program, I mean, let's just – let's not mince words. Like there was a favorite. I mean, Bill Snyder <laughs> clearly favored Alex Delton as the quarterback, and so he was going to get more of the benefit of the doubt, and they had the fuel that they needed to to kind of push that based on the fact that he did have that Cactus Bowl game. Um, and so that set up to where I think you were going to start hearing that. And by the way, I say all this like 
I don't have any ill will towards Alex Delton. Uh, I thought he was always a stand-up guy to us in, in the media, and I, I'm sure a lot of these same issues that we're talking about affecting Skylar Thompson affected Alex Delton. But I, my problem is the coaching staff and how it was handled. Delton was telling Bishop that he wants to put the hurt on K-State. So if uh, anyone wants to hear that, go back and listen to our Michael Bishop uh, podcast. But he did bring it up. He said, yeah, that kid down at TCU, him, him and I were talking, and he wants to put the hurt on K-State. So I think uh, Alex well, might have those feelings. Well, he does play for a different team now. So yeah. I mean, somebody, tw- <laughs> somebody tweeted him, and they're like, I'm going to crack you now. Yeah, I think, I think it was Bob, Boom Massey. Yeah, I think maybe? it was Boom Massey said, the green jersey can't save you now. Yeah. So. Oh, well, wow. I, I know from conversations with Delton, he was, you know, he was really – you know, totally amicable with K-State until they stepped in at the very last moment and kind of tried to pump the brakes and him going to TCU. I know he was real hurt by that, that they even mm-hmm. thought about blocking him. So well, I, I, can, I can understand why that would cause some hurt feelings. Honestly, I think if it's a grad transfer, let them go wherever they want. Yeah, that's, agreed. That's my opinion on that. But uh, we, we brought up Boom Massey, which I'll use as a really bad segue to ask about Reggie Walker's comments about saying that it was the best defensive line in the Big 12 down media days. So my question is, when you have Reggie Walker, who has that great ceiling, even though he can be a little bit inconsistent, everything we saw from White Hubert, and then you do have some of the guys on the inside, trade Deshaun, and then the depth at defensive end, how off base were those comments from him, if at all? And by the end of the season, do they have any shot at being considered the best defensive line in the Big 12? I think they got a shot. Um, I wouldn't say they were totally off base. I wouldn't, you know, jump on board and say, yeah, I totally agree either. But That's it's because you went to KU, you <laughs> I think I think they're one of the best defensive lines in the conference for sure. And I think that's definitely the strength of this team. Um, the funny thing is that, like, Reggie Walker is the guy that everybody's pumping up. I, I think he's maybe even the third best defensive lineman they have. I probably like Ooh. Trey Deshaun and Wyatt Hubert better. I, I definitely Trey like Wyatt sauce. Hubert better. Um, I mean, that, that's nothing on uh, on Reggie. I think he's great. But I, I just think Wyatt's ceiling is a little bit higher. And if uh, they can find a, you know, a guy to play next to Deshaun and uh, then rotate guys in and out like Kyle Ball and Bronson Massey, I don't want to call him boom. Oh, are we um, but, moving away from that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I th- I always called him Boom. Does he like Bronson better? I'll change it. I don't know. What's your Bronson's problem a cool with, name. Yeah, what's I your mean, problem with Boom? What's wrong with Bronson? It's Both are name. great names. Boom clearly sounds cooler than Bronson. Like I, I mean, is that a question? I think it's his preference too, right? I mean, yeah, clearly. I don't know. Someone ask him. It's media day today. Ask him. All right, do you prefer today. Bronson yeah. or Boom? When you introduce yourself, do you say I'm my name is Boom? I mean, he probably doesn't say that if he he's probably walks into the room and goes, "Here comes the boom!" Right here now. <laughs> well, he, he if he does a, that, I'll call him Boom. He I, has I a stereo that. on his shoulder everywhere he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. If if that's the case, then yes, this is the best defensive line in the Big Twelve. <laughs> I don't think they're the best defensive line in the Big Twelve, but I, I oh, you're also squat. Yeah, well, I don't have you're a also problem. Also wearing yeah. Iowa State colors. Uh, it's it's a chief shirt. No, that's yeah. Go back to Ames. Yeah, go back to Ames. You cycling Uh, lover. But I don't have any problem with the comments. Like I think the (laughs) the fact that he is confident enough to go say that that's professional. Just keeps going. In and of itself is is the important thing here. It's not the actual content of the message. Like I did love the comments. It's been a long time since we've heard anybody like yeah, exactly. Like Like they're they they should be a good defensive line. They're probably the strongest unit on the team. I'll take the probably out. I mean, they're the strongest unit on the team right now so they should be confident the team needs them to be confident because if the defensive line isn't going to be confident on this team who's going to be confident because no other position group i think has the combination of good frontline players and depth like they do have on the defensive line at least players that right now are proven so they need that sort of a thing um especially guys like that like that that i think had just been you know reggie walker like it's been a pretty up and down road for him since he's been here at k-state i think he's another one of those guys that could really use just being loved up and being told that he's good and getting that confidence to go out there and play better so i love the comments although but i just don't think i mean texas oklahoma tcu iowa state all pretty good defensive lines i think phil Steele had him tied for fourth in the big 12 um, which is pretty good. I think they could be a top three or four defensive line in the Big 12, which is what K-State needs, and, and that would be fine. They just – if you're going to make a comment like that, you just can't be bad. They, they just need to be good. They don't have to be the best in the Big 12. No one's going to come back and check the receipts on that. I think they will be good. 
That's my that's my opinion. That's a take right there. <laughs> so before we move into the portion of questions that we're going to ask on every Blitz Week show, uh, Kellis, you broke the news that there's going to be a new football intro video. So for both of you, what do you hope that video incorporates, and what is each of your dream your dream hype videos? <laughs> I mean, did Kellis really break that? Was that a? He was the first one I saw. He's a big J guy. He's a big J guy, and he broke it. Big J. Okay. All right. Well, take it away. Far be it from Well, no, you're the one trying to question it, so (laughs) let's see what you got. What would I want for an intro video? Uh, Not the cat train. Um, I mean, they had to do something different, right? I think we've already got a sneak peek at what it's going to be because all the players are posting those pictures where they're in their uniforms and the smoke and everything. I will say one thing. K-State has three videos. They always have the uh, pre, like, them coming out, and then they have, well, maybe it's only two, and then they have the pre-kickoff video. The kickoff video has, you know, been revamped a couple times, and that typically is the one that includes the players. So I actually, while I know where you're going with this, you know, the whole smoke and all that type of stuff, if they hold to form, I think that will be the pre-kick video, not the tunnel video. Yeah, no, I, so. I I think you're right. I think you're right um, because I mean even basketball. I mean they have like the two or three different videos. Basketball has three coming out of the tunnel, uh, player introductions and pre-tip. So that's where I had the three. I'm a connoisseur of yeah, high yeah. videos. I mean this they'll is, <laughs> this is my brand. Oklahoma State only one. K State three. They'll Numbers do it don't well. Lie. They'll do it well. Um, Oklahoma I mean, State's was good when we went. Yeah, but it was only one. K State has three. Sorry. Sorry yeah, for I mean, the I, I think there's I think there's almost something to be said about just having one, but nope. um, more seven. <laughs> but the bottom line is they're going to be good. Like they have such talented people. I say it all the time. Like they have such talented people at HDTV and in the marketing department and just everybody up there in the athletic department who's involved in that at K State. Uh, I mean, the only things I'll say, I don't know if they're still going to keep proud of this house. That's another thing I could really do without. A little too corny for me. Um, so I, I'm out on Cat Train and proud of this house, even though I used to – I mean, I loved Cat Train when I was a kid, but that's that's the problem. I loved it when I was a kid, and it's 2019, and I'm about to be 30 freaking years old. So um, I don't have too many concerns or even, like, really a, a, a request. Like, I don't – I'm just going to trust the experts there, and I think they will do a great job. Yeah, uh, as long as it's not the cat train, I'll be happy. My my question with the cat train was always like that. There was actually no railroad leading down into the, <laughs> the stadium to smash the helmets. So because that train's going crazy, man. It's a it crazy doesn't need train. rails. It doesn't need rails. Would a crazy train need a track? It doesn't like, exist I, in this I, realm. It's powered by Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think any train needs rails to move. Yes. <laughs> Why do you got not a ghost? Not a journalist ghost train. over here. This journalist guy, like, oh, where's the tracks? You know, I mean, can't um, run without. No, tracks. I'm with you. I mean, I used to, I used to love like the the train and the plane videos and stuff. That the plane. Are you referencing Kansas's like the, uh, the bird plane? Oh. Yeah, from 20 years ago. Well, back when that was. Uh, but that one was weird too. Why did it take off from Topeka? And well, here, here's just here, because there's no direct flights into Lawrence well, to that, Chicago and Dallas. Ready for ready also, for this? taking off from Manhattan. <laughs> That's probably why they got rid of it. So that video actually, and this was one from like the early 2000s. It actually was a shot-for-shot remake of the Chiefs Arrowhead video. The only thing different, or. Uh, Arrowhead video. The only thing different was theirs was a plane, and for the Chiefs one, it was like a meteorite coming down. Uh, okay. So from in, back in the early 2000s, it literally was the same company, just spliced in different landmarks and different highlights. So again, I'm a connoisseur so that, of this stuff. So that's I, why I they were all it. similar. Okay. I just um, those Kansas uh, intro videos. I will never get out of my head. I'm hearing it go through right now, and it's terrible, terrible memories. I went back to back to the 04 and 06 games in Lawrence. Jesus. And I just, they have, they played the, the bells like that dong at the beginning of dong. Thunderstruck or whatever. Like dong. It's Hell's Bells, right? Dong or Hell's Bells. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And God, that just like haunts me because I can remember well, watching st- John Rand- John Randall, right? Yeah. John Randall running around after scoring that game-winning touchdown and just dong, dong. <laughs> I always thought, uh, you can disagree with me, I always thought that loss bugged Bill Snyder as much as any other loss he ever had. Oh, four? Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, when, he, when he lost I mean, at KU, I think that kept him up at, not, at night almost as much as, like, 98 against a and I think, I think that's part of the reason why he, he never lost to KU when he came back, other than, I mean, them being really bad. But I think that's why he put so much emphasis on that game. He just hated losing that one so bad. 
Oh God, yeah, that was that was rough. That was a rough one. But we will migrate into the questions we're asking everyone on this Blitzweek episode. So we're going to have a record of all these folks putting their names on predictions and statements. So no pressure or anything, but anything you say here will be held against you at the end of the season. This first one, though, we're just getting a temperature check. What was the initial reaction when Coach Kleiman was hired, and what is what is your perception now eight to nine months later? I was, uh, you know, pleasantly pleased with the hire. I think it was pretty good. I think there were bigger names out there. He's not Brent Venables. I think that was the home run that everybody wanted to hit. But at the same time, he's not Sean Snyder, which would have been the, I don't know, reach reach first on a pass ball or something. Uh, bad baseball analogy. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, when he came in, you know, I was probably willing to give him much more of a chance than some people were, especially this guy to the right of me. Um that is cyclone fanatic John Kurtz he is referring to. <laughs> that's that's true. We not every coach can be uh, Matt Campbell. John, remember that. That's right. Um, and now you know. I mean, it's probably different for me than some people. I I I've loved dealing with him. He's given us a lot more access than we've had in the past. He's been nice, very direct. I think the players like him. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything to complain about so far. Well, first of all, I don't know what Kellis is talking about because there are definitely not any text message receipts from the week leading up to the hire of me frantically asking him for information and telling me, please, that it's not going to be Chris Kleiman. I may or may not have come around a little bit uh, since then. No, I mean, like, yeah, we all unfairly, I think, judged him just based on the three letters that are there, FCS, and you don't want to get past that and – it's not just that. It was also that it was a guy that Gene Taylor directly worked with. And I, I get it. Like, it's frustrating because it all felt too predictable. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good coach. And it doesn't mean that he's not a really sharp guy. I think Gene Taylor is a very sharp guy. I know you guys do, too. And if Gene Taylor is impressed enough with somebody like that to put his – I mean, he's putting his entire legacy of a guy that's worked his whole career to be an athletic director. He's staking his entire legacy – to that guy, um, I just refuse to believe that that's because. Well, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna use that opportunity for a good old boy network thing here. Like that's that's not what's happening here. You don't get to Gene Taylor's position. Um, you have to you have to be driven enough and just crazy competitive enough to get to that position where you're a high level athletic director in Power Five athletics. You're not gonna just all of a sudden say, all right. Well, let's just bring my buddy up here and, and let's hang out and chill. I mean, that's not how it goes. So I do legitimately believe that he really believes in him. And I think it's been a good lesson for me and a lot of people. Like you start to get to know Chris Kleiman and see not just that he's being nice to us, but just see how sharp he is, like how much of a CEO sort of a guy that he is and a big picture thinker that I think he is. And we're seeing that in the way that he's basically out there recruiting on the podium at Big 12 media days when he's asked about trying to recruit four and five star kids. I just think he's doing a lot of things right. Whether or not that means he's successful in the end, I don't know. But I certainly had a lower opinion of him than I should have at first, and it was completely unfair. And it's a really good example of what happens all too often, honestly, in the world in 2019. I think it's funny, like, to the people that think that the climbing hire was the good boy, the easy hire, I'm going to hire my buddy, get him up here. That's It's the complete opposite of that. That's like the gutsy hire that you make. I mean, you're – it's what you said. He's putting his reputation on the line, and that took guts. Like that was like a a tough decision to make for him. And it's, I agree. It's clear that, and anyone that is has an actual brain knows. Like we were in for other coaches. Like there were other processes happening that it didn't work out. But it's not like he was just like I'm. Gonna, I'm just gonna hire my boy. Just that's just not how it works. I mean, so to your point, like if he hires Neil Brown. There, uh, to me, there would be a chance then that he gets to make another football hire because Neil Brown is a guy that is everybody says was a great hire for West Virginia. Everybody knew he was going to get a big job at some point. He's done enough at Troy that he was a hot young name as a coach. And if you if you go get that guy, people aren't going to blame you nearly as much if that goes south because, well, you did what you were supposed to do. You got the, the popular young coach that was – in your price range, so to speak. Chris Kleiman, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any way that, that he gets another opportunity there. If it doesn't work out, that's, that's probably going to be the end of it. Neil Brown, 
bad at remembering his players' names, bad at guarding bathrooms. Also not attractive. <laughs> I said it. He's, a, what he's kind of really person, short. What kind of person doesn't lock the door when they okay. go to the bathroom? Yes. Let That's, me, that, may I have the you floor? You can't cast blame on <laughs> someone have else for that. May I have the floor and explain this? You can okay. try. Uh, so we went. All right. So you know the bath. <laughs> you guys know the bathroom I'm talking about. It's uh, it it was like a one person bathroom, single one that was in the tunnel. So I'm walking next to Neil Brown to the bathroom, and he's next in line. So he's right behind me. He lets me go first. He's next in line. Why would I lock the door? I know he's coming in <laughs> after me. I mean, it's a one person bathroom. Why would I lock the door? Neil Brown's in line. To his credit. He tried to stop the guy. I could hear him on the outside. I could hear him on the outside. I'm like, oh, wait, hey, somebody's in there. But it's like, I mean, the guy that had to come in must have had to go really bad because he just went, just completely bypassed the line entirely. So I don't know. I mean, who gives a shit, guys? It's it's a single bathroom. I thought that my line buddy Crisis was going to have my back a little if you more. the door, though. Yeah, how about you just lock the door I, like a regular I considered it. I considered it. I looked at the lock. I remember, like, <laughs> should I lock it? And I just, I didn't. Turned around, I went to the bathroom. It is what it is, though. I was washing my hands. It was, it was not a big deal when he came in, so. But I, I figured that my line buddy would have, like, you know, so I think the awareness still, so to if, say. If West Virginia wins in Manhattan this year, are you just going to, like, drop dead out of embarrassment or what? <laughs> no. Rage? What does that have to do with <laughs> yeah, this? So we're not talking football here. We're this not going to lose. We're talking about the important stuff. We're not going to lose to West Virginia. You should stalk him when he comes to Man- Manhattan. Like, figure out what hotel they're staying at. Walk try to get revenge somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> bribe, bribe the uh, house, the housekeeping, and accidentally walk in on his room. Yeah. Or no, no, let someone else a- yes, accidentally yeah. walk in on the room. Yeah, oh, I tried to stop him, there coach. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> so aside from you know giving you guys more access to the program. What is the biggest thing that Coach Kleiman has done or said or changed that has made you the happiest or the most excited for this new era? And a, just a small follow-up, what's the opposite? You know, What's the biggest thing that's given you pause or caution that's happened since the hire? I think the biggest thing is like being a player's coach, getting them excited, getting them confident in themselves, and completely changing uh, the way that the, the program is being operated. Um, that, that, to me, is the most important thing that he's done. Maybe if you want to bundle that with the way that they've packaged the messaging and and hit it out of the park that, hey, we've been good, our staff has been good, we're going to continue to be good um, and take advantage of everything that K-State has. Um, I would say those are are the things that mean the most to me about what he's done. I don't know, like concern-wise, it's nitpicking because I think if you are – in his shoes, you have to bring your staff in and you want to be comfortable with your staff. But the way things played out with how he handled Blake Seiler and the fact that they they wound up losing Blake Seiler to West Virginia because they were going to um, kind of push him to, to being an ins coach as opposed to a linebacker's coach and hurt his upward mobility um, really from a career standpoint and trying to be a defensive coordinator and a head coach – it, that to me would be the one individual thing. That's not really like a philosophical thing. That's like an individual thing, but that I, I do think will will hurt. I mean, that stings. But at the same time, I also understand why he did it because I mean, look, he's going to bring his guys in. He wants his staff. That's what that's what coaches do. I would say the best thing would just be you can see it on the players' faces before they practice. They they are not dreading you know being out there anymore. Uh, they're dancing when music comes on. They're genuinely excited and happy to be practicing. It's something that I I've not seen in my time on the beat. So it's it's nice to see you know spring football and summer football not just feel like this horrible chore that these players have to go to before they get to games. Um, and I don't know that you know them being happy now is necessarily going to lead to a great season next year, but it just makes things. I I, I do think it'll help, and I think it makes things easier. And that just hasn't been present for a long time. So I'd say that's the best thing. Um, you know, I I don't know that there's anything that he's done that's really – you could sit down and say, man, that's horrible. You could just really hammer. Um, I guess kind of going on your point, it, it did seem a little weird that the defensive coordinator he wanted left after a week. The, uh, you know, linebackers coach or defensive ends coach he wanted left after two or three weeks. So um, – and I think the staff ended up – 
pretty good. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it blew up in his face or anything like that. I like Scotty Hazleton and I like the staff they ended up with. But um, to to be a defensive guy and to have to now have two fallback options with one of them being defensive coordinator, if you're going to criticize anything, that's probably what it would be for me. All right, so now we're getting to the stuff that we're putting your name on it. If you're wrong, you'll be publicly shamed. Who are you predicting to be the offensive MVP and why? Kels, we'll go oh first boy. since John has been you monopolizing all the time. You know my answer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pimp juice. I mean, it's got to be pimp juice, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. So I, so I, I don't know who else it would great. be. I mean, Dalton Schoen's not going to have enough yards for it to be him. Maybe I, – I don't think there's going to be a running back separate himself enough mm, to be Brownwell. MVP. Yeah, I kind he's of gonna split too many carries. Yes. He's gonna hey, split too I many carries. I took Jordan Brown like I kind of feel a month like, ago before he even yeah. showed up. So we we can't. had an episode where we were like, all right, I'll take. I took. Uh, no, you took him first. You know what's is because I'm stupid and uh, not that he's like. I'm not, not gonna, gonna, gonna be dispute good, that. But I like in in my the back of my mind, or I remember reading a stat that he had like run for 2,800 yards, and it's in my mind, Gilbert or Brown, Gilbert. Okay. In my mind, it was like. He had run. He had run for like a two thousand yard season in one season, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be great." <laughs> he did have one one thousand yard season. <laughs> I didn't look in, obviously didn't look into that very well. I I think no. I th- I think Brown will be good, but I think he'll share too many carries with Gilbert and Trotter and whoever else. So I don't think he could rise to MVP levels. I mean, the only real dark horse I could see would be a guy like Wyking Gill or something. If Malik he just Knowles. if he just really got open for some long games, something France like that. Scott France is going to be a first round draft pick after one year with Connor Riley. So he's your MVP then? No, it's Pimp okay. Juice, but still. <laughs> but tune into the predictions episode. So the, the answer is Pimp Juice. I'll, I'll stick with Skyler. <laughs> which might have already been there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be Skyler, but no, I think uh, Jordan Brown to me is is the runner-up. I really, I think he will actually uh, separate a little bit um, and and get a lion's share of the carries. I think he's another guy we I don't about. think there's going to be a lion's share of carries this year. I really don't. Well, I, I think you're good looking at like maybe one guy gets 100 and one guy gets 80. Something I think we like need that. a I, don't, I, I think it's possible that it becomes more spread out than that because they don't – Put a number out there. How many more carries do you think Jordan Brown will have over the next running back? Oh, God. I mean, I, it would help to have no, – No more than 50. To, All right, no do you think it will be more than 50? I think it's possible. Okay. Yeah. Loser has to get a Bosco's Boys tattoo. You guys heard it here. <laughs> so there it is. Somebody will be getting a Bosco's Boys tattoo in December. Because I think Jordan Brown is a guy. You talk about change of scenery, like much like Skylar Thompson. I mean, Jordan Brown, that, what, that was a dumpster fire at North Carolina the last couple of years. Like, and he was their starting running back early on in his career and put up decent numbers and was a four-star top 250 recruit. And then that mean they won five combined games the last two years. And like Larry Fedora is a crazy motherfucker. Like I, I just don't. John Please. likes the F word. Yeah, sorry, I love sorry. it. MF. No, big I love time it. MF. You're a big MF guy. So I like it. you know, I, I think he is somebody that could separate himself uh, enough. There, he would be my pick to be runner up. And I mean, you could like grant around Malik, like Malik Knowles, Viking Gill. Um, Who's the other one I was going to throw out there that could be in the mix? Youngblood? Youngblood. Yeah, yeah. Josh oh, Youngblood. Man, I'm excited I mean, about him. You know, maybe by the end of the year, um, he's somebody that turns into a candidate there. But, yeah, to me, it's Skyler and then everybody else. It's got to be Pimp Juice. I mean, all the way around. I don't feel as – Save com- your thoughts for the prediction episode. Okay, fair enough. Um, he only well, has some no, – We I'm will kidding. just ask the opposite <laughs> question. Who do you think will be the defensive NB- MVP and why do you feel that way? My hope – is that defensive MVP, like best-case scenario for the season, I think would be uh, Elijah Sullivan. Yes. But I worry about his durability. I mean, he, he had two injuries <laughs> last year. It I saw him today. He's looking strong. Yeah, He'll be all right. It wasn't just one, but he had two injuries last mm. year in his, his first year being Doesn't like a starter. Me. Nope. No, I'm, He's I'm Superman now. Yeah. I'm worried about exact it. Exact quote. I'm with you. I'm, I'm made of titanium. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm worried about injuries across the board. I mean, we get one key injury. It's going to impact us greatly. So I, I'm kind of with you, but I agree. Like, if that's the defensive MVP, then that, mean, in my opinion, that means, like, we've had a, a nice season. Because if our best linebacker, which is a position that has really poor depth, is really there. Poor. 
is there consistently throughout the season and plays well enough to be the defensive MVP, I'll feel pretty good about it. I think the the easy answer, the obvious answer here, I think there is an obvious one. I think it's Wyatt Hubert. I mean, you have to go Wyatt Hubert for defensive MVP. It just that that dude is a beast. Everybody has said great things about him, even going back to the the old program. He's on a trajectory where it looks like he's headed to to stardom, and uh, I, I think he is the one that would make the most sense. Yeah, Hubert, I, I think he gets double digit sacks, or if not close to it, he'll he'll have a great season. I predict twenty seven sacks for twenty seven sacks. <laughs> the school record's eleven and a half. Yes, I um, I actually think that he's going to have he's got a triple. He's going to have three. For sacks. He's going to have three a game, and then he's going to shut it down late because he's already <laughs> looking forward to the NFL draft the following year. Is it really be only 11 and a half? Is that what Jordan Willis had? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's yeah, a bunch of guys some, tied. It's a lot it. of folks at okay. 11 and a half. I'd be interested to see the statistics of Wyatt Huber's uh, freshman year compared to Reggie Walker's freshman year. Because I feel like we were as high you on Reggie Walker. Absolutely. I know, but Walker had more sacks. Uh, Walker had more sacks. Because exactly. he was playing, He's playing the opposite, entire uh, Willis. Uh, Willis yeah. yeah, Willis. And he played the entire year. Wyatt Huber wasn't starting until halfway through, right? Right, he yeah, did, Hubert did not start in every game last year. Okay, so the next question, who do you think will be the young breakout player? That's how we phrase it, yes. Redshirt sophomore or younger? <laughs> young blood. Young blood. What a, Josh Youngblood. What a name. I do. Yes, I think he's going to pop. I think he'll make some plays. Yes, um, he could say Hubert as well. That all over the field. Yeah. Easy. Or Malik. Yeah. In the spirit of the question, yeah. I, look, I think – it would that's you talk about another like best case scenario if it's Malik Knowles I think that would be a great thing for the team um I just I want I'm going to need to see the consistency from him I mean it sounds like that that really is still the thing consistency and to be fair he was slowed by um injury in in spring so that set him back a little bit but I'll, I'll go Josh Youngblood we just heard so much good about him from everybody involved the staff Skyler Dalton Schoen some of the guys at media day sounds like he is going to have a major impact I, I want to say somebody else, but I don't know who to go with. So, I mean, how, how old is Viking Gill? He's not no, he, younger he, than the he, sophomore, is he? He's forty. Wait, he's forty. <laughs> I think he's, he's a sophomore. He's right? old blood. Is he like a redshirt junior. Um, oh, no? is he written? Yeah, if he's a redshirt junior now. Uh, Jacksonine the Sea Wolf. Ow! Apparently oh he's a little too much. Yeah, that, yeah, um, so that last yeah, OTR wasn't maybe not good him. For I, that that hurt me. I, I don't think uh, any of the freshman running backs are gonna really uh, rise to that level this year. I don't. Philip Brooks, put your name on it. Yeah, yeah, he could be good as the uh, return man. All right, yeah, I like that. All right, Philip Brooks. There we go. All right, we're gonna get into the official. Record prediction, each of you, John, go first. Five and seven. Want, want. Tell I'm going to stick with us. that. <laughs> six and six. Hey! Oh, hey, really? Go. Kellis over here, Price is riding. We need to uh, <laughs> appease himself right. to the fans. And then of those, are any of those ones that you're predicting going to be considered a statement win? Define that however you want. Um, I think they got a really good <laughs> chance of beating o- Oklahoma State. I think they've had their number for whatever reason lately, and Skyler's played a great game down in Stillwater already, so I don't know if that'll rise to the level of statement game. You never really know with Oklahoma State, but they could be ranked at that point, and if they are, that would be what it is. They're going to beat Iowa State. Hell yeah. Oh. They're going to beat Iowa State. No. All right. All right. Well, that's that my pick. If they beat Iowa State, they're doing better. That's than looking more. And Iowa State's not going to a bowl win. Hashtag Scott's Yeah, take. exactly. That's the thing. Like, I, it, what? No. Iowa State does so, not. We're not they're just going like five and seven this wins. year. I, that's yeah. looking more and more like a Chief shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, all we your have. Your hatred of Iowa State is only you surpassed not, by your hatred you of Jake Waters. People that have Twitter, how do you not hate them? I mean, they're the that's worst. A real, that's a good question. That's they the final so question. Absurd. How do you not hate them if you're on Twitter? Uh, I've never gotten in a Twitter war with an Iowa State fan. So, I don't but have know. you ever seen an Iowa State fan on Twitter? They're the most hateable group in the world. Well, no, they're pedal, it's like they peddle conspiracy theories. Yeah. They're just like they started a the letter writing campaign to the FBI. <laughs> over, I'm not kidding. <laughs> over the offensive pass interference calls, like from a few years ago. 
Like, what group of folks write letters to the FBI over a football game? And I hate how they, like, they have just, like, a sense of entitlement and, like, they travel so well. They're just so annoying. I don't know. Yeah, they're very annoying. Hate them. Nebraska. I don't hate, I mean. Yeah, but Nebraska at least has some earned arrogance. I mean, maybe not as much in 2019, but they have some earned arrogance there. Iowa State's never won more than nine games in a season. I mean, the hell hashtag strive for nine. Oh, man, I could go in. I could but, go in, but, but, but we'll, we don't need we'll to. We'll save that. So we always let our guests give the final word. Tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. Where can they find your professional work? Uh, this is going to publish on 822. So take that for whatever it's worth when you're answering this question. So, Kellis, we'll start with you. K-Dog, the guy who has the best weekly Q&A. And I'm now un- I'm freed from my 100-question <laughs> shackles so I can start giving you the A material again. That's right, and thank so, you for that. Where, where, can you, uh, where can everyone find you? All right, you got a lot of avenues. You can go to Kansas.com. You can go to KansasCity.com. You can pick up a copy of the Kansas City Star or the Wichita Eagle. My what stuff is also syndicated yeah, in um, newspapers across the state at times. So there's a good chance you're going to see my name all over. We are also – my editors have been big on me to plug this. We are also pushing more podcasts ourselves through the star right now um, you have one be, it's the future it's, it's not just a strictly k-state or me podcast but like we're but doing it we're going to be doing it every single day and the goal is during the season we'll have once once a week where it's featured on k-state maybe we'll have the bosco's boys on at some point hey you let us know we'll be there all right john publishing on 822 i don't believe yeah so uh it, it <laughs> is uh very easy to find our show content we do the game from four to six on k-man uh, Monday through Friday, but you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, you can find it on SoundCloud as well if you it's prefer. On Stitcher. I don't think we're on Stitcher. Uh. No. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> follow us on the at the game KMAN or myself at JL Kurtz. Uh, plenty of links to uh, all the content and good stuff that I'm doing there. Sometimes you'll even uh, hear this guy to my left, Kellis Robinette, K Dog on on the show. Too. I was on a couple times to talk about the Bachelorette. By the way, yeah. Jed, the guy I said on day on the very first time. Okay, explain time. to me what the hell happened at the okay, end of that. Okay, so just real quick, Bachelorette talk. First off, I predicted Jed on the very first time I came on there as a as a dark horse. Uh, he had a girlfriend the entire time. He came on only to plug his music. Hannah didn't care anyways. Picked him. Found out about the girlfriend. Everyone's all like, oh, no. And then she dumped him on TV. Everyone cheered. She went on a date with <laughs> Super Hot Tyler, but Super Hot Tyler, who finished third, also went on a date like two days later with Gigi Hadid. So, kind of so tough. I love like, Hannah, but Gigi, it's Gigi. So. so, there was like no winner in this whole thing? Well, yeah. So, she's no longer engaged, but everyone still loves her because she has a southern accent and would say whimsical things. Okay. So, yeah. That's all we got for Blitz Week. Again, follow these guys. They are uh, my favorite K-State beat guy on a traditional newspaper and my favorite guy who talks about K-State on the radio. So uh, we love the Boneheads. Check out, I don't know if Bonehounds. my book. I don't know if my book here. No. No, John. I don't know if we <laughs> saw sponsors at this point of the year. Depends on a lot of things. So, well, it's I'll say it all. So, yeah, go team. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, meet me at the Cathead.
want you to hear Tell me it's cool, I just don't believe it Sell out with me, oh yeah Sell out with me tonight The record company's gonna give me lots of money And everything's gonna be And everything's gonna be Network.